Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. It's really nice to be back. Uh, I almost want to say with family. It's our fourth visit, isn't it? Our fourth time. So we're part of the church now. Hallelujah. Would you turn to your neighbor and say you're looking so great in that today? And you may be seated. God bless you. It's wonderful to be um, back to see you all. We uh, truly have been busy since uh, it's been 13 months since we've last been here. And uh, in these 13 months, we have been to all these different countries preaching the gospel, um, mainly South Africa and uh, America and Australia. But we've also been to the uh, smaller countries, if I could put it like that. And uh, we have led almost 60 or 70,000 people to Jesus so far. Hallelujah. That is really exciting. I don't know about you, I'm still hungry to see souls come in. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We had a big breakthrough in, uh, in Cairns. You know, every town and every church is different. We understand that. But uh, there's just some times when God comes and he, he really uh, just does something awesome. And in Cairns, we preached first in Cairns, then went to Mariba, and then back to Cairns. And uh, in those three weeks, we had 300 salvations. Praise God. Come on, God is going, God is up to something. We have uh, witnessed many, many healings, uh, many miracles, and many, many deliverances. And uh, God is wanting to heal the church. Can you say amen? And uh, God wants to bring revival to the church because uh, many people need to be revived. And uh, you know me, my heart is for revival. I live, drink, eat, and sleep. Uh, my wife and I have uh, been busy from January. Um, we've just been preaching every week, every day. Apart from our traveling time, we've been preaching from January right through until now, and we've still got four weeks to go. So we don't, even, we don't even have breaks. The only break we have is when we travel on Saturdays. We travel to the next town or obviously when we fly for a, for a couple of days, but uh, just busy. And I don't know how many of you are hungry for Jesus. Is anybody, how many of you want revival? Come on, have you to believe God can do something in this city again? Come on, he, he wants to do it, but he's not going to be able to do it if there's not a hunger and an expectancy. I was just thinking when, I, when we were worshiping again, and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. You guys are spoiled by the worship team that you have. Come on, you are spoiled, and a lot of you... A lot of you are taking it for granted, and you just come and sing a nice song and you enjoy the worship, but you know, you're not really taking hold of what God has given you. You have a great pastor's couple here who is full of God. Let me tell you, I've been around, there's not many like them. Come on, serious, there's not many like them, not many who are so sold out and so hungry. I think since I've been here from yesterday until this morning, Pastor Ross has about 10 times told me, souls. Healing, souls, healing, you know. <laughs> that's his hunger, that's his passion. And I pray that you will have that same passion and not get so accustomed to it that say, oh, well, you know, it's just another guy. 
No, God, God is not interested in a one-man show. He wants everybody to be involved. Can you say amen to that? You know, when, I, when we, we, we ministered, um, it was just amazing. Uh, if I may just share a little bit of our, of our encounters that we've had, you know, um, uh, even in America, when we were there, we witnessed so many miracles. I don't know what it is about people in wheelchairs, but we've just been watching people stand up out of wheelchairs. I think we've had about six or seven just this year, people standing up out of wheelchairs. Hallelujah. Isn't that exciting? And uh, to see God heal and uh, the different miracles that we've had. But uh, let's highlight one of the countries. I went to Myanmar, the old Burma. And um, when we got there, the churches had already organized for us to go there. I mean, it was all planned. We were going to have big meetings in the big hall. And uh, when we got there, the pastors heard that, you know, Myanmar is run by the, by the uh, army. Uh, is that right word I want to say? Yeah. And so they were run by the army. And so somebody got to hear about us coming in. Now, those of you who don't know that Myanmar is only 1% Christian. 1% of the whole of country of Myanmar is, is Christian. And out of that 1%, 0.01% of that 1% is born again. So we're not talking about just people who love Jesus. We're talking about people who are truly saved. And uh, when they heard about us coming, they uh, had people follow us where we went. And um, our lives were in, in danger in such a way that we had to cancel the meetings. The, the pastors had heard about this, so they canceled the meetings. And uh, we had to move the venues from 7 o'clock meetings to 3 o'clock afternoon meetings. And we had to find a place where they would never think of having church. And this was on a, on a high-rise building. 10 stories high, and the, the top room was about the size of what we have here. You know, they had, they were big apartments that they'd broken through, so we had a tiny type of a hall. But 10 stories high, we had to go to this place, and um, we had to climb the stairs. There was no lift to pick you up or to go up. And I don't know if you know how hot it is in Myanmar. It is very hot there. No air conditioners, nothing like that. And so, we had to go into this place 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It was all for the sake of, of our lives, you know. And, um, but what was amazing is that we saw people bring people that were paralyzed in wheelchairs. And I'm talking about people who were not skinny people, all right? People who were, who were in wheelchairs for quite some time, who obviously overweight. But you know what was amazing? The stairwell, the staircase is about as broad as, as like this. To, you have to have go up and down. That's all it is. And they would carry the people in wheelchairs 10 flights up. And I'm asking myself the question, God, how desperate are we to see the Lord move? We have a week set out again to have meetings. And a lot of you already have contemplated in your mind which meetings I'm going to come to and which ones I'm going to skip. No reaction. Just you may be, You're speaking to him, not to me. No, no. We had people who heard about the meetings because God was really, and those people they carried up in the wheelchairs, they were being healed by the power of God. Hallelujah. And so there were people who were so desperate for God that they would wake up at four in the morning they would catch a train 
They would spend all their basic their salary that they had to catch a train, and then they would catch three buses. All right, so from four o'clock in the morning, they start traveling, get a train, get three buses, and then get to the place where the meetings were at three o'clock. They would make it just in time to sit in the meeting. We had to finish by five. We had to get out by five because uh, they were afraid of our lives. So we had only had two hours. And then after the meeting was over, those same people got back on the buses, got back on the train. They got home at 2 or 2.30. They slept one hour, got back up the next day, got on the train, got on the buses. They did this for four, uh, seven days. So I have a question to ask you. What are you willing to sacrifice? How far are you willing to go this week for God to touch you, for God to use you, for God to do something through you? I find it so amazing that when we go to these, you know, the Western countries and we're so spoiled and we're so blessed, you know, with what we have. And then we wonder, why is God doing miracles out there and not over here? We wonder that. It's just amazing to see. We were, we were in India. I was just preaching in India. We had 10,000 uh, people per service come. come. 10,000 people. Sounds a lot. Hey, we had... Uh, how many was it? Five open-air meetings. I mean, five open-air meetings. We preached to, I don't know how many thousands of people. We uh, led thousands to the Lord. And what was amazing is the place where we ministered in, and maybe in the week I might show you just a little video clip, but uh, the place where we ministered in is the, the most persecuted place for Christians. And I don't want to give the names and the places we were at because it's very sensitive. But uh, the, the most persecution takes place in that area. One day I was preaching and the pastors came to us and said to Shemaine and I, said, are your bags packed? And he said, yes, why? They said, because the, the police might come and if we have to rip you off the platform and get you out of here, we're just going to go. That's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Praise God. So we had to always be on standby. And I think, you know, I wish I could take all of you just to go on these trips to know that your life could be in danger for the sake of the gospel. We got it too easy in this country. Isn't that so? We got it too easy. And what we all need is some persecution to get desperate for Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need more persecution. <clears throat> so we would go to this, uh, you know, in the morning we would wake up. It was just phenomenal. We would get in these little cars, and those of you who have been to India, you know the traffic there. You truly, truly, truly learn to pray again. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like this one guy, you know, the pastor was telling us. He said uh, th this, this uh, pastor died, and he went to heaven. And as he stood in the line to receive the crowns of glory, you know, and there was a taxi driver in front of the pastor. And so when the taxi driver got up to Jesus, Jesus gave him all these crowns and all these gifts. It was just wonderful, just wonderful. And, and the taxi driver was so ecstatic, you know. And so the pastor thought, he thought, wow, if this taxi driver gets so much, what am I going to get for doing the work of God? And so when he came and stood before Jesus, uh, God just gave him a little crown. That's it. And he said, whoa. He said, but I've been working for you, and I've been doing all of this work, and that taxi driver gets so many more crowns than I do. What made him more special? He said, well, the difference is when the people got in his car, they prayed, but in your services, they slept. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. So we learned to pray in India, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we would go to, uh, you know, we would go outside the village into what they would call the jungle. And uh, the tigers literally were still hanging around there in jaguars and so forth. And so we would go out into the field in the jungle and then there, would, there was nothing. It was just a house, a house with a, with a field next to it. And I said, where are we going? He said, no, this is the pastor's house that we're going to. I said, oh, okay. So we would go there and uh, literally just have uh, mud huts, uh, sand on the floor, you know, with a little bed. And the chickens would be walking around in the bedroom over your bed while you're trying to sleep. And it was all fun, you know. Especially all the curry. Hallelujah. <laughs> so anyway... Um, I said to the pastors, I said, well, you know, because they said to us, we're expecting between seven to 10,000 people tonight. I said, where? There's not even a village nearby. You know, it's just this house here. He said, oh, don't worry. So by nine o'clock in the morning, um, I would stand outside and I'd be praying. And then I would see a, a car come and uh, then a little truck afterwards. And then there would be a, a trailer with a big generator on. And all of a sudden, these people started coming out, and they would clear a field uh, like the size of a rugby field, maybe even bigger. They would just begin to clear out this field real quickly, and they would take plastic sheets and, uh, or like the shade netting, you know, what we put over our cars. They would take that and roll it out, and all of a sudden, there would be the size, I'm trying to think about the size of a rugby field, you know, uh, maybe 150 meters by 50 or 60 meters wide. You will have this green place, you know, this green uh, shade netting uh, that's on the hard ground with the rocks and whatever there is. And then they would put up a stage. All of a sudden, they would just put a stage together. They would plant poles into the ground real quickly, just put poles in, they'll, they'll erect lights. And by 7 o'clock that night, I'm not, I'm not lying to you, by 7 o'clock that night, there would be people that have come out from wherever, I have no idea, they would just come out, and there would be 10,000 people sitting on the floor. And they would sit on the floor for up to six hours with their legs folded. No toilets, no running water, nothing. And then as the crowds would come in, you know, people would just normally sit down. And then uh, the, the, one of the pastors would stand up and he'll speak in, in uh, their language. And he'd say, all right, everybody, take three steps forward. So everybody stands up. They take three steps forward. Boom, boom, boom. He says, sit down. And then you can squish another thousand people in. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I said, Lord, here are people so desperate for God so desperate for Jesus, and they would sit in that, on the ground, nothing comfortable, with their legs folded, they won't go to the bathroom, they won't walk around, they won't be talking, they would be sitting, listening intently, and soak up every word that was being preached. Then I come to my country, and I come to Australia, and I come to America, and I think to myself, Lord, what has happened? What has happened to all of us? Why is that hunger not there anymore? A lot of you won't even come back tonight for the meeting. A lot of you won't even come during the week. Because, you know, I've done my religious duty of coming to church. We need to get hungry for Jesus. Can you say amen? 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you'll minister to your people. I have so much more to share, Lord, on what has happened and the things we've experienced. But I pray that you'll again this morning begin to deposit a hunger inside of us. Not empty words of, oh, I'm hungry for Jesus, but a genuine desire, a genuine hunger for revival, Father God. Lord, I was here four years ago when we started and you did a great work. And we even said back then, you want to bring a revival, Lord. And we believe in the coming of Jesus Christ. And yet he hasn't come, but we are four years closer to his return, Lord. And I believe as much as I did the first time I came here, that the coming of Jesus is very near. It is close. It can happen this morning. It can happen tonight. It can happen in this week. But Father, there is such a slack in the heart of men and women. And I'm asking you, Father, this morning as I bind the spirit of complacency and I bind that lazy devil and I bind the demons that would bring excuses, Lord. We break it off of the people in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, that you'll minister and that you'll change the hearts. Father, we know you love us. We know you heal us. We know that you care for us. We know that you're a God of grace and mercy. But, Lord, we have become so spoiled and we have become so uh, uh, complacent, Lord, with your presence. So I'm asking this morning to take out the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh again. I ask you this morning that you'll open up our eyes, Lord, that we would see the wondrous things of you, Father, that we would see the people outside, Lord, that are suffering, that are dying, people that are going to go to hell, Father. We ask that you'll truly, truly, truly put this passion back inside of us, that it will be not about us because we are saved, Lord, but that we will have a heart for the lost out there. I ask this in Jesus' name. Those who believe with me says amen. Can I just lay a little thing this morning? And tonight, tonight I'll be teaching on the double portion. How many of you would like to get a double portion of God's glory? So don't miss tonight. But I just sense that I want to do something. Hebrews chapter 4, if you go there real quickly, please. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's back again. <laughs> Those of you who don't know what I mean by that, well, I've come to make the devil mad and Jesus glad. Can somebody say amen? Not going to compromise. We're not going to play the religious game. Hebrews chapter 4, you know it, but let's read verse 12. How many of you know the Bible says faith comes by hearing? So Hebrews 4.12 is one of these powerful verses that says, For the word of God is living. The Amplified says it is alive. How many of you can say amen to that? The word of God is living. It is, uh, the, I'm going to read the Amplified. For the word of God, uh, which God speaks, is alive and it is full of power. Hallelujah. Making it active. The word of God is active, operative, energizing, and effective. Hallelujah. Can you say amen to that? The word of God is energizing. It is effective. It is operative. It is active. It is alive. It is full of power. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. So if I take a knife, if I had a knife or a sword and you were stabbed with a physical sword, it will only pierce your body. Can you say amen? 
But this Bible, the Word of God, is sharper than that sword. How can it be sharper? Well, look what it says. It, it penetrates to the dividing line of the breath of life or the soul and the immortal spirit and of the joints and the marrow of the depths, the parts of our nature, exposing, somebody say exposing, and sifting and analyzing. Wow. It exposes, it sifts, and it analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. That's a lot of information. You can preach on all of these things. I can. But the Bible says in the end that His Word is alive and it is sharper than any other two-edged sword. Can somebody say amen? And what does the Word do? When we preach the Word of God, this is what's going to happen. It pierces even to the division of the soul. So it now touches your way of thinking. Can you say amen? It pierces to your spirit. So it can touch your spirit man and change your spirit man. And it also penetrates the joints and the marrow so it can heal your body as well. But it is also a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How many of you agree with that? So if the word of God is sharper than to any, any two-edged sword, when I preach the word, and Jesus, when Jesus speaks the word, and I'm just going to read the word to you this morning, some of you are going to sit in you and go, eh, ow, don't like that. But it's not me, it's the word of God that is going to penetrate your soul. It's the word of God that's going to touch your heart and your mind. Can you say amen? So Matthew chapter 21, please go there. Matthew chapter 21. How many of you believe in the Bible? Raise your hand. How many of you believe in the words of Jesus? Raise your hand. How many of you believe Jesus' words are still the most important of everything? Verse 28. Turn to your neighbor now and say, Jesus is going to speak to you now. How many of you agree with that? Because I'm going to read his word. He says, but what do you think? And I'm reading from the New King James. What do you think? A man had two sons. And he came to the first son and he said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered him. This is what the son says. He said, I will not go and work for you in the vineyard. But afterwards, he regretted it. And he went. Are you with me? So the daddy comes and says, son, I need you to help me today. I need your work. I need you to go and work for me. I need your help. And the son says, no, I'm not going to work today. You know, I'm not in the mood. Maybe tired. Got other things to do. But after a while, he thought about it. He regretted it. Somebody say regretted it. And then what did he do? He repented. Somebody say repented. How many of you can agree? He repented because when there's regret, there's repentance. Uh-oh. You can say amen. And the first fruit of revival that we need to understand is we need to come to a place of repentance. But to come to a place of repentance, we've got to understand what we're repenting for. We've got to understand why do I have to repent? Well, he has a son. 
This son belongs to the father, and there's two sons he's speaking about, but the son is not a sinner. He's not somebody going to hell. He loves his, his father. Can you say amen? So obviously Jesus is speaking here to the church. Can you say amen to that? He's speaking to us this morning because we are sons and daughters of God. And he came to the, to the, the first son. He said, go and work for me. The, the son said, I won't do it, but he regretted, and then he went to go and work. And then he came to the second son, and he said, likewise. He said, son, I need you to go and work for me. And then the second son said this. He said, I go, sir. I'll do it. But he did not go. Find that amazing, this portion of Scripture. How many people say they'll work for Jesus, they'll go for Jesus, they'll do everything for Jesus. It's very easy in a crowd like this to say yes. But it's what happens behind closed doors that matters. Can somebody say amen? That's where, that's where the rubber hits the, hits the road. So Jesus now speaks and says the following. He says, one said I'll go, but he didn't go. He repented, you know. I mean, the one said I won't go, but then he went because he repented. But the other one said I will go, but then he didn't go. He lied to his father. Am I saying the truth? He lied. So Jesus says, which of the two did the will of his father? So Jesus asking us today, which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, the first. The first did the will of his father. And Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterwards relent and believe him. So the question is this morning, how obedient are you to the word of God? Are you saying yes to the Lord in the things of God, but yet in the end you're not doing it? Let's read another one. Go with me to Matthew 22. Just go a few pages on. Matthew 22. Verse 1, then Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables, and he said the following, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to go or to come. Are you listening to this? There's a wedding. So he sends his son out to invite people to come to the wedding, but they were not willing to go. Again, he sent out other servants saying to those who are invited. So he's sending them a second time, a second invitation. See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and the fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it. They made fun of it. They thought of it as insignificant. We're having another week of meetings. Oh, really? Yep, Brother Dion's here again. Oh, that guy. We want to invite you to come to church. We, we're inviting you to come and, and participate and see what God has for you. And so some of you, like the Bible here says, they make light of it, and they went their ways. 
Now listen to what they did. One to his own farm, another to his business. Well, I got a business to run. I got to go to my house. I have excuses why I should not be here tonight and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I have excuses. And then the Bible says, verse 6, And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and even killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, and he destroyed those murderers, and burned up their cities. And then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Is anybody still with me? Those who, who were invited, who weren't interested in coming because of the excuses that they had not to come, making light of it, well, leave them be then, but go then to those that are hungry and those who need it in the highways and the byways. Is anybody with me? Verse 10 says, so those servants went out into the highways and they gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Can you picture this? There's somebody sitting there who doesn't have on a wedding garment and he's... He was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew chapter 28, if you'll go there, verse 19. Now, I hope you understand the first scripture I read was Hebrews 4.12 that says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Can somebody say amen? So I'm just reading to you two stories out of the Bible which Jesus spoke. The first one, there were two sons. This morning, Jesus is speaking to all of you sitting here, sons and daughters. And he's asking you if you would go and work for him. And some of you will say, I will go. I will work for you, but you're not doing it. Let's see. Matthew 28 verse 19. Jesus again speaks. You know this off by heart. This is something you hear over and over and over. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do or to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. How many of you believe in this verse? Raise your hand. How many of you believe that this is the great commission, the commandments of God? How many of you know that this commandment was given after the death of Jesus Christ, which then means it falls into the new covenant? It's not under the old covenant. 
And there's a lot of people who say, well, we only do stuff, you know, uh, uh, a lot. I've even heard people preach this and say, whatever Jesus said falls under the old covenant, so it doesn't apply to us. We are saved by grace and not by works. Has anybody ever heard that? But here is Jesus where he's been raised from the dead. He is now free and, and he comes and he gives us a commandment. And the commandment is that you are to go and you are to make disciples. So let me ask you this question. And hopefully you're not getting too angry with me this morning. But how many of you in the last three weeks, I'm giving you grace, three weeks. How many of you got somebody saved in three weeks? Raise your hand. Wow. Two people. Two people in a church that is full-on Holy Ghost, full-on Pentecostal, full-on worship, a church that is full-on faith. Are you getting where I'm coming from? Hear the word. Laid hands on you. Not just me. Pastors, preachers, evangelists. You get them in. They come and they minister to you. And we lay hands on you. We lay hands on you. We lay hands on you. You get the anointing. You get the word. You are full of the glory of God. And yet we still find that most of the people are not doing what the Bible says. So what does Jesus say? There were two sons. The first son, I asked you, please go and work for me. They said, yes, I'll do it. But he did not do it. Here is Jesus. He's giving us this plea. He says, I'm telling you, go right now. You need to go. You need to go and make disciples. You need to baptize them. Can somebody say amen? But yet, most people are not doing it. They're not doing it. The second son, or the first son said, I'll go for you. And then uh, he said, no, I'm not going to do it for you. But then he repented. He had regret in his heart. And then he went. Can you say amen to that? Mark chapter 16. Come on, you know this. I preached this in my favorite verse. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is again is speaking to his sons and daughters. And he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Am I reading the Bible? These signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, that's in the name of Jesus, he who believes will cast out demons. Can you say amen to that? How many of you in the last three weeks cast a demon out of somebody? Raise your hand. <clears throat> There's one. Two. Somebody say, well, hang on, brother. That's not for me. Well, Jesus said this after he was raised from the dead. Hello, somebody. It's very quiet in here. How many of you want revival? How many of you want to see God do something? How many of you know I did not come here to entertain you? We want to see the miracles. We want to see it. God is not in a one-man show. Can you say amen? God is waiting in great expectancy to see you guys, the family. You are the sons and daughters of God. And he wants to use you. Come on. Somebody said, but you, 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 are you stomping on my toes? No, I'm trying to wake you up. We need a revival. We need to say, Jesus, 
take and use me, God. Let me not just say empty words and let me not to pro- proclaim to be something that I'm not. If I'm saying I'm a Christian, then I need to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, and be like Jesus. Not just on a Sunday morning in church. I got to be at Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Can you say amen? I need to go and shine the light for God because there are people dying. There are people going to hell. There are people in great need. We can't wait just every Sunday to bring somebody to church to have them blessed or wait for the next guest speaker to come and see God do a miracle. No, this should be a daily lifestyle for everybody sitting here this morning. I said this must be a daily lifestyle for everybody that is sitting here. It is not about me. It is not about your pastor. It is about you obeying the scripture. What son or daughter are you this morning? What son and daughter of you? Did you just come to get the goosebumps and to see the miracles? Or did you come to sit under God and to say, Lord, you know what? Your word is sharper than two, any two-edged sword. And your word is penetrating my heart right now. And your word is working in my mind right now. And Lord, I don't really like what I'm hearing this morning. But you know what, Lord? I got to be like that one son. And I got to repent and say, Jesus, forgive me. I got to say, God, forgive me. I said, yes, I'll do it, but I'm still not doing it. Amen. Who wants revival? Who wants that anointing this morning? Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes because the time has just flown by so quickly. And I don't want you to leave this morning feeling down and feeling negative. I want you to leave this morning with this thought in my heart. Lord, I haven't been doing what you commanded me to do. And there's many other commandments, commandments of prayer, commandments of fasting, commandments of loving your neighbor as you love yourself. These are just the things God has said for us to do. Friend, I have an urgency. I want to tell you, I have an urgency. And I want you to hear this. This urgency is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The world, you look at the news. You look at what's going on in the world. It's happening. Stuff is happening. Can you say amen? All the, the, the problems and the wars and the fears and the fighting. And there are people in this city this morning who are, who are, who are petrified. They, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to. The only relief the world out there is finding is drugs and alcohol and sex. That's the relief they're finding. But we have the hope of glory. Come on. We have Jesus Christ. We have something to give them this morning. God is knocking at your door this morning, child of God. You are my brother. You are my sister. It's the truth. I would not stand and plead with you this morning and and break my heart and say, God, please let them wake up, Jesus. Please, Lord, let them respond and have regret in their hearts. Not to come and be entertained, but come to go and work for God. This morning, with your head bowed, I want to ask you this question. What son are you? Are you the first son who says, I will not go and work, but then regrets what he says, has repentance in his heart, and goes and works? Or are you the second son who said, I will go, I will go. And then he doesn't go. 
Are you the one who slipped into the wedding banquet? You slipped in. I really believe God is knocking on some doors this morning. Say, so what do you want me to do, Dion? What must I do? Repent. Repent. Say, so, Lord, I, I, I haven't been listening to you. If it takes somebody to come all the way from Africa to come and talk to me this morning, then I need to turn around, get my priorities right again. If you're sitting here this morning with your head bowed, your eye closed, you say, Dion, would you pray for me, please? I am saved, but I need to repent. I need to say, Lord, I'm sorry for being disobedient. I'm sorry for not being a son that is obedient to your commandments. If that is you, nobody looking, and I'm not going to call you to the front, but if you want me to pray for you, just slip your hand right now in the air. You know what? Again, I'm not going to call you to the front, but if you want me to pray for you, stand to your feet. Come on, I dare you, stand to your feet. Let Jesus see this, this repented heart. Does God condemn me? Absolutely not. Does God convict me? Yes, He does. Does God judge me and hate me? Absolutely not. Does God love me enough to correct me? Absolutely yes. How many of you can say amen? There's more of you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm just asking you to stand up this morning. Say, you know what, Dion, I heard what you're saying. It wasn't nice to hear it, but you know what, I just, I need to turn. Say, sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. First John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If I will confess my sins before God, He is faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Is there anybody else who would like to stand? Just stand right now. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. Don't let your pride hold you back. Don't let your pride rob you from the blessing that God has for you this morning. Anybody else? Now I'm going to ask the whole church to say with me, Father, Father. those standing and sitting, Father, Father. I ask you this morning to please forgive me. In Jesus' name. Like the first son, like the first son I have regret in my heart. And I want to repent for being disobedient to your word. I'm not going to run after sensation and just run for miracles. But I want to be a miracle to somebody else. Therefore, I ask you this morning that you will help me, that you will strengthen me, that you will guide me and lead me in the name of Jesus. Take away the fear. Take away the doubt. Take away the doubt. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And empower me again this morning. And empower me again with this your Holy Spirit. With your Holy Spirit. The Bible says, the Bible says you are not a respecter of persons. You, not a respecter of you persons. love us equally. You love us equally. You use us equally. You use us equally. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Therefore I know, Therefore, I know that I am now forgiven. That I am now forgiven. 
and I am going to change my mind and do what the Word says. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. With you standing there or sitting, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, if you had to die right now and go to hell or go to heaven, you said, Dion, I don't know. If I had to die, I don't know if I'm going to go up. I don't know if I'm going to go down. But this morning, I want to give my heart, my life to Jesus. Please pray for me, Dion. Please pray for me. I want to surrender to God. I'm a sinner, and I know that I've sinned, but God can forgive me this morning of all my sins. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.